So I was, again, always taught by really great radio program directors that you're competing with everything else in the world. I, I mean, Jay-Z had, had a great line. I'll probably screw it up. It's like, you could be anywhere in the world tonight, and you're here with me. Like, thank you. Like, you're, you're standing in front of me. Like, that's Jay-Z. That's Jay-Z respecting his audience's time. So I'm constantly thinking, uh, I'm looking for points of failure. You know, what, what's a reason someone might leave? Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzcast show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, head of content at Buzzsprout, and you won't hear anyone necessarily famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters just like you share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things that they've learned along the way. And in today's conversation, I get to sit down with the host of PT pintcast jimmy mckay now jimmy had a former career as a radio dj which really helped him as he was entering his podcasting career and he shares some really great insights about how to approach and produce your podcast to keep your listeners engaged because whenever you're trying to get new listeners trying to grow your audience trying to connect with the people that are consuming your podcast you want to give them as few reasons as possible to stop listening. So Jimmy gives some really great practicals for all of us to have a more engaged audience. And then Jimmy shares an incredibly inspiring story of how he was able to leverage his podcast to meet a huge physical need for an orphan in Latin America. And I think what that story illustrates so clearly is the impact that we have an opportunity to make in the world through a podcast. And so I hope you're inspired by that story as well. Now, Jimmy's podcasting arc started much earlier than most of us. For him, his journey began in middle school. My uh, my sixth grade teacher said they need someone to do the morning announcements. You know, like today, basketball tryouts are 530 and it's pizza for lunch. And I did that. And all the hair on my body stood up and I was 11 so I probably had three hairs but all I was just like holding a microphone and knowing that the whole school could hear me I ran home and I told my mom I was I want to I want to do this for a living and she of course a great mom said that's great morning announcements aren't a job though I think we need to keep going to school so <laughs> went to school got my degree in, in journalism and mass communications really worked pretty heavily in in college radio and then started to, to do internships. I interned for some pretty big radio stations in, uh, in New York City, uh, 95.5 PLJ, which is a station that's been around for a thousand years. And then uh, landed a really cool internship uh, working for WXRK, K-Rock, which people might know as the, the home of Howard Stern before he left to go on to, uh, to Sirius XM. So I was there the summer before he left uh, actual terrestrial radio and just learned a ton um, in all those internships, small stations, large stations, and I loved it. Um, progressed in my own radio career, got to go back to my hometown in up, upstate New York in Poughkeepsie and be on the radio station that I listened to when I was like 13, like when my musical tastes were being like formulated. Like the first time I heard Nirvana was on this station and now I got to work there amongst the guys that I listened to growing up. And it was, I mean, I was in heaven. I went to work at noon in a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and cargo shorts and played music real loud and talked to cool people and gave beer and concert tickets away. And I was in Nirvana as a radio <laughs> throwback there. Yep. But um, 
wound up getting to run my own radio station in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So I got to be a program director, still on the air. Again, just like getting more responsibility, but everything I did, I loved. And I did that for about seven or eight years. So my radio career was about 15 years total. And one day, I just started to love what I was doing a little bit less, and then a little bit less, and I wasn't getting that high anymore of, of going to work. I loved the people. I kind of loved what I was doing, but I just wasn't loving the environment, environment anymore. Radio was changing, and this is like 2010, 11, 12. Radio starting to change. You know, the, the little thing we have in our pocket, the cell phones were starting to come up, and I was starting to say, hey, this is a cool direction. This space could open up. And I was kind of getting told from the, uh, the old guys in the suits in the room going, nah, radio, we've been around for a million years. We're never going to change. We're always going to be dominant. And it just didn't feel right. And at the same time, I was kind of asking myself, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And uh, I happened to be training for a triathlon. And one of the guys who was a, a, the, like, kind of like the guru of the group, everybody together, he was a physical therapist. And I watched how people interacted with him. They were always kind of happy and excited to see him and hear him speak on a one-to-one level. And I said, I kind of want to go that route. I was always interested in science and uh, dropped everything. And I applied for uh, my doc- a doctoral program in physical therapy and re- rehab medicine. And I lucked-, lucked out. I got into a program, put the microphone and the headphones away. That's it, man. I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. And I said goodbye, had a farewell show and everything. And then uh, in PT school, your first year is real heavy into books. It's anatomy, physiology, kinesiology. So really your head's down and you don't look up much because you don't want to fail out. Second year, you get a little more, um, you get a little more latitude. You can kind of breathe a little bit better because it's a three-year doctoral program. And uh, I started going to conferences and, and hearing people that I found very inspiring. I found very intelligent talking on stage at these big rooms, right? We've all been in like a big room and Everyone's there and they're nodding, nodding along at the guy on stage. Oh, absolutely. This guy's brilliant. This guy's brilliant. But to be honest, a lot of the stuff that, that he was saying, I loved the vibe, but I wasn't getting all of it, right? They were, he, was using, he was using presentation words and big, big words. And I wasn't learning. Like I was inspired because like, this is cool. These are my people. I want to be here. But I wasn't learning in that moment. And that's where life kind of crossed again at an intersection. At all these conferences, you have a networking happy hour. And on my show, the, you know, the tagline is the best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours because at that happy hour, I saw the guy. Oh, shoot. There's that guy across the room that was on stage. So I kind of marched up to him and I said, hi, I'm Jimmy. Saw your presentation. Loved it, but didn't understand it, which is in hindsight, not a great way to introduce yourself to somebody. <laughs> but he, he saw what I was saying, right? Because in that moment, he wasn't a presenter anymore. And you could tell he, he probably was a little bit uncomfortable presenting. But now in front of me talking one-on-one to a student, he was, he was great. And two beers later, I understood everything he was talking about in great detail. And I was starting to watch, watch the people around me, the other students and other PTs. And they were kind of like getting close to us and eavesdropping. And he started to change his focus from just me to them. And now he wasn't doing a presentation still. He was just having a conversation with 10 people. And really that part of my brain that had radio DJ stamped on it started thinking like, this is really great content. Like I bet you if even one other person liked to listen to this, because I know I like to listen to it selfishly, I'm getting something out of it. Somebody else out there would. So (laughs) things always go smoothly, right? So I had this idea in the bar, alcohol fueled. I get back in the car with three of my classmates. (laughs) We're going to drive from Charlotte, North Carolina, back to where I was going to PT school at uh, Marymount University near DC. And Halfway through, I'm like, all right, classmates, we're on a road trip. I'm like, I got a great idea. I'm going to interview physical therapists and, and MDs who work in rehabilitation, and I'm going to share the episodes, and I'm going to make a podcast. 
And they were all like, that's a terrible idea. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of, you know, <laughs> they, they, they crapped on my idea. Um, but it stayed in my brain, and I wound up pitching it to my advisor, uh, my professor, and the chair of the program. And uh, she kind of had this weird look on her face where – and she's usually very, very positive. But she kind of went blank, and I was like, oh, she's going to shoot this down. And she said, uh, I will line up any interview you want, and I'll even buy the beer. And I said – Okay, at least one other. There's the person. There's the one other person who thinks this is a good idea, and uh, I did. I, I did a six pack of episodes because I'm corny, and because uh, we recorded them over beers, we released them, and we wound up getting ten thousand downloads the first month. And I said, okay, well, that's at least one other person. You know, a couple times over, and uh, I really just wanted it to be a conversation, which is actually difficult to manufacture. Um, but that's what radio DJs were taught to do under fire because manufacturing a convert – manufacturing, uh, you know, just, just this happenstance conversation is actually difficult. But that's, that's the one thing that I brought to it luckily. That and a real curiosity about what these people knew, and I wanted to share that. So started the show and uh, as a second-year student, and I've been doing it ever since. That's, that was 2015, and now I currently host five shows full-time. I'm a professional – Physical therapist, radio DJ, podcaster, which if you Google it, that's a made-up job description. <laughs> or the perfect job description. Or the perfect job description, exactly. So talk to me a little bit about that kind of initial launching point where you're like, hey guys, I have this idea, what do you think? And the first response was, no, that's a terrible idea. You shouldn't do that. Uh, and this what this was back when like podcasting wasn't a mainstream word, wasn't super well-known, Serial hadn't come out. Um, but I know for a lot of people that could be like devastating, like, oh, well I had this idea and my friends think it's stupid. So I guess I, I shouldn't do it. How did kind of talk to me a little bit about that period of time and, and how you kind of not mustered the courage, but had the, the, the foresight and the clarity to know that I should do this anyways, even if they don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, I was also 10 years older than most of my classmates. So everybody in the car that told me like that's a terrible idea, I was 10 years older. I still was affected by it because these were now my peers, right? These were these are terribly smart individuals who were doing a, a program where I was, but 10 years earlier. Like they they're super overachievers. Um, I think I think the idea was just so comfortable to me. Um, we've all been in class, right? And you have a guest speaker. And then they say, all right, do you have any questions? And no one really raises their hand, or maybe someone does. But then as soon as like, all right, we're done. Thanks for coming. Everybody claps. And then there's, a, there's those people who rush the stage, right? Because they want to really ask a one-on-one. That was me. That was always me. So I def- you always default whenever you're in a – I think you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable, which PT school, graduate program, you're uncomfortable because you're learning so much in a short period of time. You default to what's comfortable for you. And for me, interviewing people was comfort. So that wasn't a leap. So to hear those people in the cla- in the in the car, and I won't call them out by name, uh, <laughs> and they all have supported the show once they heard it. I think that's the other thing. I could hear it in my head, and I was I thought I was explaining, "Hey, this is going to be great. I'm going to have sound effects, and it's going to be beers and real conversational." And they couldn't hear it, and that's not their fault. I could, but I wasn't communicating really what it was going to not sound like feel like i mean that's what when i listen to my big my favorite podcasters i really you know for the for the conversation ones like i listen to adam carolla dr drew for those ones it's like i'm whatever they're talking about i'm probably into but i'm really there for the feeling that i get to because i'm hang, it feels like i'm hanging with them if they're good at it so i lucked out though because 
I'm a student. I'm representing a school. I'm rep, you know, I'm starting a career. I don't want to, I want to do something creative, but I don't want to do anything that, like rocks the boat. So me running it, it did take a little bit of time and courage to then run it by the professor after I ran the idea through my head again. And when she was supported, supportive, I was like, oh, okay. I can I can kind of fill my 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 lungs full of air and like now I feel kind of you know confident ish and she's going to be supportive. That's really that's probably I probably wouldn't have done it hadn't she pushed me a little bit. So that was that was a big one. And I can think back on my personal journey and there were definitely people that like made a big difference in me deciding I'm going to go for it because it's it's hard to put yourself out there and like here's this thing that I've created. What do you think about it? Knowing that you can get some negative feedback, you know, take it personally and be like, this is my baby. Like why, you know, I, I want to, I want it to be wonderful. I want everyone to love it. Um, and so that can create some hesitance if you're not really getting any positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's like singing or painting or doing anything and putting yourself out there. This is, this, this is part me. Uh, and it, whether you get negative feedback or like, I don't know, worse nothing or like yeah or i didn't even bother listening that that tells me what you think of your time that's why i tell people all the time and again my show super niche just physical therapists or students i say just give me 90 seconds because i respect your time enough if you aren't impressed enough to listen to a 90 more seconds i'm not hurt by it it's just not for you that's okay but this is how i and a few other people like to learn yeah and i want to dig into the way that your show is structured and the way that you produce it and put it together. Um, because you can definitely hear the radio influence. Um, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an explosion of audio goodness, yeah. right? This is, <laughs> it's like a ear, ear candy, right? It's, it's like the, the sensation of biting into a fruit gusher, but for your ears, it's like that. <laughs> I love, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so, so talk to me about, Maybe some things that you think about when you're producing your podcast to make it listenable. Because it doesn't matter how great the content is that you have or the wisdom or the knowledge that you're sharing. If it's hard to listen to or if it's not yeah. super engaging, then you're doing a disservice to the people you're trying to serve. So talk to me a little And they'll leave. Yeah, and they'll leave. So tell me a little bit about the things that you do to hook people at the beginning and then make sure that you're being super intentional with your episodes. Yeah. So I was, again, always taught by really great radio program directors that you're competing with everything else in the world. I, I mean, Jay-Z had, had a great line. I'll probably screw it up. It's like, you could be anywhere in the world tonight, and you're here with me. Like, thank you. Like, you're, you're standing in front of me. Like, that's Jay-Z, that's Jay-Z respecting his audience's time. So I think that's super important. So so I so I'll send uh, like a, a form to the guest, even if I know him well, and it really is it lets them know like, hey, just give me like two or three things. You don't have to give me a sentence or an outline. Give me two or three things that you want to talk about, and that allows me. I always tell people it's like we're we're filling up a ball, a bucket of batting practice balls. So the questions, the thing I things I ask you about, I'm going to throw them right down the middle. These these questions, these pitches, I'm going to throw you. You design them now. I'm going to come at you with like, but what does that mean? Or wait, talk more about that. That's conversation, but the topic. So, so number one is setting up, making sure the guest is comfortable. Cause if the guest isn't comfortable, the audience will sense that. And like awkward conversations are weird to be around in real life. You don't want to voluntarily do it on a podcast. <laughs> so also before we record, 
I'll do something similar to what we did today is I'll shoot the breeze. You know, if I sense somebody's really, really nervous, I'll talk for 10 to 15 minutes and I'll pretend I'm fixing microphones or I'm plugging things in. Oh, yeah, yeah, hang on. Oh, this computer program, it's not. But hey, so how was your day? How was your weekend? Telling someone we're going to have a conversational podcast is really, really nice. Actually being conversational is difficult, especially because like, listen, I'm talking, I've done 400 plus episodes. I've talked to some people that have different personalities than me and they were a little bit awkward in the beginning. So me setting up that form and me talking to them in in the beginning, those two things combined allows them to be them. I always say my job is super easy. I just have to make you forget that you're holding a microphone. And as soon as you do, as soon as I do that for you, you can share. And for me, it's scientific or rehab knowledge. You share that knowledge so well. Um, I just get out of the way. So I'll actually watch and recording my side. I'll talk a lot in the beginning. Like my wave will bounce all over the place in the beginning. And then I kind of fade out and then I'll come in with a jab. That's a question. Let's redirect over here. Hey, let's change, let's change the topic. Um, the other is the, the editing, right? So I get that down. And then if I'm listening to it and I'm a little bored, I should probably shorten that up. You know, maybe I didn't need to ask that third follow-up question. So I toss that. So I'm constantly thinking, uh, I'm looking for points of failure. You know, what, what's a reason someone might leave? Um, cause I'm sure, you know, if someone finds out you produce a podcast and they want to get into it, how long should my podcast be? It's like, how deep should my hole be? I'm like, well, you know, it should be, it should be long enough that you get across what you want to say and uh, probably 10 seconds shorter than that, you know, cut it. So if, if you're not intrigued by what you're putting out there, don't disrespect the audience by putting out an hour episode when it could have been 10 minutes and, and respect like that's it's a 60 minute episode is not six times better than a 10 minute episode. In fact, it might be six times worse. So make sure you did you did you go around the block one time and and answer the question or are you just going around the block just to hear yourself talk and to to feel like you're still hosting a radio show. So I, those things were all ingrained in me in radio and that's kind of how I bring it to to podcasting. Plus the ear candy the sound effects. I wanted to make it, you know like you said I wanted to make it sound like a radio show because I was taught talk like your audience is listening, listen like your audience talks. Radio is still a familiar medium. I know, you know, I left it because I didn't feel like there was a future in it for me. But I still think people are, you know, used to listening. You you watch Pardon the Interruption on ESPN. It's kind of like a radio show. And they come in with the transitions and the buffers and the sweepers. And you're telling someone in a different way, I'm now going to change topics or I'm now going to, to move on with a couple of sound effects and a funny voice or a witty comment. Yeah, and those are all just things that you you pick up over time, or you hear it somewhere else, and you're like, "Ooh, I could incorporate that in my show." You know, like like I use music to transition, and if you listen often, you'll be like, "That track means this thing," or a sound effect, or I'll start reading a script. I'll start reading a script that you hear every single time, so you know, okay, you're starting to set up this, and and it's like watching your favorite TV show. It's like, oh, here comes the theme song. I love this theme song. You know, it reminds me that I'm listening to this thing. Yeah, your audience evolves with you. They ev- and your show evolves over time by what you listen to. And then you go from Darwin to Pavlov. Oh, there's that sound effect I know. Like I have a I have a segment on my show at the end called the parting shot. I do that for two reasons. Number 1, lets the audience know, "Hang on for 60 more seconds, we're almost done." The parting shot on my show is like Hey, what's your mic drop moment? If you were to sum up everything that we just talked about into one quote and you want to leave that with the audience, what is it? But it also tells the guest, we're wrapping it up without having to be awkward and say, okay, we're done. I'm done with you. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, that was awesome. Let's, let's, let's get to the climax. Oh, let's do the parting shot. And then I'll actually take that parting shot 
and sometimes I'll splice a, qu- a clip into the beginning of the episode or like a shareable online because that's the mic drop moment. Hey, I got to win your eyes first and I'll use like an audiogram or something to get to your ears because I think my show is of value to you. But first, I have to prove it. Yeah, and, and we do this on this podcast. So if you're listening to this episode, you heard Jim talking at the beginning of the podcast before we even like started it. And that was that same thing. It's I'm, yeah. I'm priming you. I'm getting you excited to invest in the next 30 to 45 minutes of this conversation, right? It's giving people reasons to stick around, giving people reasons, reaffirming that this is going to be worth their time. And then when you deliver, when you set it up and then you deliver, you're reinforcing that trust and that relationship that they have with you that next week when you put out a podcast episode, I don't even have to think about it. I'm invested already. Yeah, when you get to that point, you've built a relationship. I mean, everybody wants to do PR, and I'm using air quotes for the people listening in audio. Air quotes not great for a podcast. But when you, do, when you try to do PR and you try to market, it's like, first of all, create a great product and you'll never have to market. But you, you just have to do PR. And what I mean by that is... Public relations is just building a relationship with the public. You're doing it all the time. You're doing a good job of it or you're doing a crappy job of it, but you're always doing it. So you mentioned something in your opening origin story, which was that now you are a full-time radio DJ PT podcaster. Producing or personally hosting, how, how many podcasts do you work on on a weekly basis? Uh, on a weekly basis, five. So I have PT Pinecast, which is essentially I want to be the Jimmy Fallon of the world of physical therapy, right? So it's conversations, you know, I, that, that's really, that's fun for me. Uh, I also host a, a study podcast that, will, that teaches students how to pass the PT board exam. That's a, that's a different type of show. They're very, very short, three-minute episodes. Teach me Parkinson's disease in three minutes, go. That will eventually be 150, 160 episodes and then just live somewhere because Parkinson's disease doesn't change. So that's, that'll just live there. And then I also have a full-time job working with a large physical therapy practice where I host a podcast on geriatric physical therapy, geriatric occupational therapy, and geriatric speech-language pathology. And those audiences are just PTs, OTs, SLPs who work with older adults because now we're going – PT is a very small world. Geriatric PT is a part of that small world. So we're going niche and then super niche. So I host all five of those shows um, on a regular basis. With my personal shows, I actually have a guy who used to work with me at the radio station. We now produce that show together. I do the recording. I pass it off to him. He was the guy making my sound effects for me in radio. I trust him. I don't have to – I just say, hey, make this sound great. And then he gives me back a product that sounds even better than I thought it would in my head. Um, for the other shows, for Fo- the Foxcast, PTOT, SLP, I, I produce those uh, myself. So five on a weekly basis. When, you, when I start saying it out loud, wow, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a lot. Yes. And, and I only produce three podcasts on a weekly basis. And some of those are multiple episodes. But I'm, I'm also feeling the overwhelm just listening to you talk about it. Well, so, so tell me a little bit about, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how you bring in income. Because I think I'll, there's, there's, a, there's often a disconnect between I have this podcast that's doing well or doing better than I expected. What is the path to doing that on a more full-time basis? Um, so maybe talk about the different pieces of your income, like how you pay the bills and how much of that is directly podcasting, how much of that is PT. Like what are all the different pieces that that go into that yeah it's 
So I actually went to, went to PT school for three years, uh, graduated, practiced as a physical therapist for two years, and then I completely left clinical practice. So I, the entire time, as, as I said, as a student, I was still doing this whole communications podcast like mix, and I knew I loved it. I didn't like it. I loved it. So I decided to take the leap. So the two, the two ways that you can monetize a podcast for, for me personally, I'm sure there's a, there's, there's a bunch more. But for me, it's if you build a big enough audience, there's an organization out there that would like to partner with you or sponsor your show that's willing to pay for that audience. What is the right, right audience size for that? Depends. And, and that's what people in, you know, in Facebook groups get annoyed with. Well, how many downloads a month do I need to get you know, sponsored or monetized? And, and everything depends. Who's your show talking to? You know, I heard someone, someone else put it way better than me. If you are a brain surgeon who only operates on the amygdala and there's 12 guys in the world that do this thing, that's it, just 12 of you, and you have a podcast that gets 12 downloads a, a month and you put out one episode – that's a pretty niche audience. But if you're a, a company that sells the laser that will do the brain surgery on that, that's a really valuable audience. So how much is that? Selling one laser could be a $2 billion. I don't know how much these lasers cost. <laughs> but So that's, that's where you want to get into scale, where some people who are trying to tell you, I can monetize your podcast for you, just get 1,000 downloads an episode or a month. Um, I, I'm not saying they're lying, but... Define what good is, right? Good is subjective. How many how many downloads a month is good? So I have no problem telling people I have I get between fifty and sixty five thousand downloads a month. I know how many PTs there are in the world. That's a pretty significant chunk. Um, so I have a decent amount of PTs listening. And again, so the world super huge PTs, not that huge, but we're going to talk about close to three hundred thousand in the United States, four hundred five hundred thousand in the world practicing. So then I went to conferences and I saw how much people paid for a booth space. You've been to a conference before, you've walked around, and you and so I went online and I said, "How much does it cost for a booth?" Well, it costs between four and five thousand dollars. Plus, you got to fly people wherever the conference is and feed them and house them and pay for a backdrop. So I'm doing the math here, right? I'm saying, okay, well, how many people came to this conference? Our biggest conference is about seventeen thousand people every year. So I'm saying companies are willing to pay whatever X I decided to, to, to be in front of possibly 17,000 people. So now I, can, now I flip it again and I see who's there. What are the industries? I'm looking around. Okay, staffing industries, equipment companies, schools for postdoctoral education. What's a conversion like for them? If you get a student to go from PT student graduate to then go to your postdoc, it could be $100,000. You mean me connecting you with one person might land you $100,000? That's valuable. Um, whereas equipment companies, they sell, you know, TheraBand or weights or whatever. A conversion there might net the company 60 bucks. So I aim at the big one where one conversion is going to net that organization a lot, a lot of value. Um, so I aimed it at those things. So that's how I monetize um, my personal shows. But then the other three shows that I run is another way to monetize it. Find an organization who is in an industry that provide adding audio and podcasting to their public relations mix, and I'll throw public relations in with marketing, communications, like relating to the public, as a free way to share valuable information. You know, people are always trying to put up, is it, I can't remember the name, it begins with an L. Guy Raz is launching a podcast on some platform where they're trying to be the Netflix of. Luminary, Luminary. Luminary, I almost said Lumosity, that's a different, yeah, Luminary. 
And I was always taught, don't tax your audience because your audience is your weapon. If I turn to a possible advertiser and I go, I have 60,000 downloads a month and you paid $10,000 to almost be in front of 17,000 people once a year, I can get you in in front of 60,000 impressions because it's not 60,000 people listening once because I release between four and eight episodes a month. But I can show you how I can be of value, a more cost-effective value. That is something that's going to raise the ears of someone who's trying to get attention. So I approached the CEO and the founder of Fox Rehabilitation. A, a bit, so I work for a big PT practice, a large physical therapy practice that spans multiple states. So I said, they're big enough, right? So they, they'd be able to, to, to bring on a PT who's also a podcaster. And it's getting content to who they want to hire and who they want to be in front of. This is one way. And I have a, I have a skill in this way. That is a value. So that's that's how I also monetize my skill as a podcaster is I produce great audio content that shows good results, and that is a value to the practice. I'm also able to do other things too. So that's one thing you also learn in radio. Never, never, never a one-trick pony. One-trick ponies are outside eating grass. The guys who have multiple <laughs> tricks, you're, uh, you're, you're sticking around inside the barn. So I appreciate you kind of peeling back the layers there because uh, – you, you just reinforce something that I, I try and tell podcasters starting out over and over and over again is that it really doesn't matter how many people listen to your podcast. Uh, it, it's it's much more about the depth of the relationship you get to have with them. Yeah. And that's what matters. And that's why I really discourage people from either doing dynamic ads or doing ad rates based on how many people listen because that's not the value that you bring. The value that you bring is that you have people that listen to you that trust you. And if you suggest something or recommend something, they're more than willing to take action on that if they believe that it's in their best interest at well, as well. And so that's yeah. that's where you're right. Like if you had that brain surgery podcast with 12 people that listen, but they have to be, happen to be 12 really, really influential people, and you find the perfect sponsor that's like, I want to get in front of those 12 people every single week, like that is worth much more than, you know, what your CPM rate would be, like a dollar or yep. two, right? Like it's, it's much more valuable. And so it's, whenever you start ta- thinking about monetization, the you have to be really careful that you frame you frame the value to be beneficial to the person you're asking money from right it's yep. you're making this investment that's going to make you more money than what you spent right and i tell people that all the time listen i start with the physical therapy question because this question was also what i used in radio what does success look like to you what would success with a relationship with me and my audience cuz we come together we're a package deal you'd like to talk to them but they're behind me um, what would success look like to you? You know, would it would it be selling one extra subscription to your test prep company? Would it be converting one student to a postdoctoral education? Man, do you think if they heard how great your services are sixty thousand times a month, that one of those pers- people would would go with that? Is your product good enough that if sixty thousand people heard about it, one? Well, they go, of course it is. I go, well, great. Then let's now we're negotiating. You just said great. Now we're just putting a value on it. And if they Google what's the CPM, how much you can't Google what the value of my my audience is because that's mine. I, you can ask me how they react, and I can show you how many downloads there. But I was always taught in radio: if you sell on numbers, you're going to live or die on that sword. Because if your numbers dip, um, then they're going to say I want to pay less, or you know they're going to compare you with. Joe Rogan, good luck competing because that that's on a different level. Except you're you are competing for time, right? Time's finite. 
So I can bring value to this super niche portion of the world, and that's valuable to you. As soon as you say yes, we are we have already begun negotiations. Yeah. So and and this is why I love for people that are first starting out, kind of pushing them towards affiliate deals, right? Where it's let me let me show you the amount of you know influence I have or the trust that I have with my people. And if you make money, then at that point you you give me money. And that's a great way to make it like a win-win situation. If you're just starting out, if you're trying to figure out what kind of a relationship do I have? What would be helpful? What's a way that I could bring in some money from this um, as like a first step? Because ultimately what you're trying to do is serve your audience. You're not selling them out. You're not trading them, right? And saying, right. well, I'll just have my podcast sponsored by whoever gives me the most money. Right. Because at the end of the day, you, your, your, your first responsibility is to your audience. Um, Always. But, but that also gives you some I guess some clear next steps of like, okay, this is how this can play out that would be mutually beneficial. So I'm thinking not just from my perspective, but also the people that could sponsor this podcast. How is this going to help them and their goals? I think that's, I think all that, that was really fantastic. So whenever I talk to podcasters, I'm always uh, inspired. I guess that's the right word that it's the impact that they've seen in their podcast is not limited to the podcast itself. Um, you know, and, and, and I remember when you were, uh, you know, submitting your application for this show and kind of sharing some of your stories, there was one that really resonated with you where you were able to use your platform as a podcast to make a really meaningful impact for somebody in Costa Rica. And so I would, mm. I would love to hear that story because I think it just paints a picture so clearly of the impact that we get to have outside of just getting in front of a microphone and sharing things with our audience. Yeah, when you first started asking that question, I couldn't remember what I wrote, and then uh, I started to figure it out, and I really, I like, all the hair on my body stood up, because uh, the story I'm about to, to tell, if my podcast crashes tomorrow, I'm totally cool with it, because I got to do this thing. So, uh, so yeah, so mentioned I was in PT school, and I liked every aspect of PT that I came in contact with. Pediatrics, geriatrics, sports, I loved all of it. Um, or should I say I liked all of it. I couldn't find one thing that I was so inspired with that I wanted to jump into for the rest of my life. Um, so I, I almost quit PT school twice. And my professor who actually pushed me to do the podcast was the one who said, you can't quit PT school. Um, so in our third year of school, Marymount University sends all of the third year students to Costa Rica to work in orphanages for two weeks. And this is a unique environment. I mean, you're, you're dealing with people who um, live in a completely different world, in a different economic structure, different language. I speak eight words of, of Spanish. I can count from one to eight. That's about it. Um, I can say cervezas. Maybe that's number nine. <laughs> uh, but you're, you're going to be off balance. So the, uh, the, the trip was very, very unique. Most of the children that we worked in, with in the orphanage uh, had cerebral palsy. And so, which mean they had a lot of cognitive issues, which, which actually manifested as physical issues. So CP is actually a brain issue, but it'll look like an arm or a leg issue. Uh, so learned a ton. I mean, these kids were in a third world country and they were some of the happiest people you'd ever meet. The people that were working with them, the nuns, ha some of the happiest people that you'd ever meet. Some of the nuns were mean because that's what nuns do sometimes, but also <laughs> happy because they were taking care of, of great people. So... Um, one, one boy in particular did not have CP. So I, that's why I stressed really what CP is. 
this particular boy had muscular dystrophy. So muscular dystrophy is an issue with the muscles. Long story short, when I want to build a bigger bicep, I do bicep curls and I damage the muscle a little bit and it grows over time. And that's how, you know, you get beach muscles with muscular dystrophy. You lack a, a certain chemical that will allow the muscle to grow. And after a while, that muscle will just atrophy to the point where typically that's the, that's the cause of, of death is the muscle can no longer, you know, sustain life like a diaphragm or the heart. So I set this up of this story because PT can help manage the disease, but we can't cure it. We can't really prolong life. And that really bothered me is that we made everybody in the orphanage really happy and excited because we were spending time with them. Um, but I felt like we were leaving this particular boy and I call him on the episode that I recorded with him G cause that's his first initial and he was a patient. So we keep him anonymous. Uh, we were leaving G exactly how we found him and that pissed me off a lot. So as I said, we were in New York finish for two weeks and then spring break comes. So we're already in Costa Rica. Why not just rent a crazy house on Airbnb and stay in Costa Rica for a week? So we did that. And first night we were there, I was, you know, maybe, you know, uh, Ocho or, Nuevo Cervezas Deep, and I just kept thinking about that kid, and I was pissed, and I had already started the podcast. I think I was like 60 episodes in, and we realized that he had no money, living in an orphanage in Costa Rica with nuns, but if he had a power wheelchair, that would significantly change his second-to-second existence, because other than that, he's just in a wheelchair, can't really move his arms, he can move his wrist, he can move his head a little bit, but he's just put somewhere, and that's where he sits until someone moves him. If he got a power wheelchair, he now decides. So power wheelchairs, in case anybody doesn't know, terribly expensive. The one that we figured out he needed would be about $19,000. And uh, I decided to put two and two together, right? I connect dots. I connected radio and PT with podcasting. I was going to connect my weird new podcast as a student, and we were going to figure out a way to bring a wheelchair to him. So I didn't know how exactly the audience was going to react, and I think I just asked everybody for a dollar, right? Aim low. Just because no one takes out their debit card to just give a dollar. I figured I'd ask for a dollar. They give me five. Uh, people wound up donating 10, 25, 50, 100. The more I talked about the people I don't, that were donating, the more people started to do 200, 500. Several people donated $1,000. The organization we were going to buy the wheelchair from, because I kept putting out episodes, content, 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 because the story wasn't about a podcast. The story wasn't about a PT student. The story wasn't about an orphanage. The story was about a person. And people connect with people. It's probably the best thing to connect with. And uh, the price started at like $19,000. And then they heard, you know, you know, I mentioned their name a bunch and thanking them for helping me. And then the price came down a little bit. And the more I talked, the more our funds went up. And the price came down until I got to walk in front of my classmates. Uh, I think it was 66 days later. Because I wanted to do it before we graduated. And I got to walk in front of my classmates and I said, uh, the fun, I, I did it on purpose too, right? You got to have a little bit of flair. I said, uh, uh, just wanted to inform you, the fundraiser is over. So that could mean anything, right? It was canceled. It's not going to work. We're done. And they're kind of waiting. And this is the radio DJ and me wanted to, and I said, we've met our goal. He's going to get his chair. And then everybody loses their mind and class is over and everything like that. Uh, but the cool part was, now I have a wheelchair in the United States, and I have a boy in Costa Rica, and those two things are pretty far apart. Uh, I got a chance to grab a microphone and literally ride the wheelchair, because if anybody's taken anything through customs in 
countries like that, sometimes things go missing unless you have the proper paperwork, money. So I literally podcasted in a, in the power wheelchair through customs from the United States, interviewing my professors along the way, interviewing the nuns, interviewing the cab driver, interviewing the caretakers, until I literally got to seat G in the wheelchair with the microphone in my hand, and uh, I got his answer. My question was, once he figured out that this wasn't just a regular wheelchair that he'd seen, a, he's going to move this. I said, where do you want to go? And he said he's answered in Spanish, and then I got the answer from a translator. It was like, I just want to ride. And I was like, that's a perfect answer from an 18-year-old who just hand, handed essentially, you know, a mobility, you know, the, the right and permission to move on your own. And uh, so, so we got to do that. And, you know, waterworks. He, uh, the first 15 minutes I tell people we're trying to teach him how to use the chair, uh, he looked like he was drunk. Couldn't do it. The next 15 minutes... He was, you know, knocking into things, but getting better. And then the next 15 minutes, he, he moved himself down a ramp, through a door, around a table, and sat himself at the head of the table for lunch because he was hungry. And I literally just said, my work here is done. I can go home. He's got this. So, uh, so yeah. So we were able to do that with a podcast. But really, it's not the podcast. The podcast connected a story of a young man who needed help and people who heard the story, bought in, were connected by story, and then decided to say, I want to be part of that. Here's, here's a dollar. Here's $1,000. And uh, so, yeah, the, if the podcast crashes tomorrow, who cares? We bought a wheelchair. It's awesome. And what I love so much about that story is it just puts things in perspective, right? You can get so wrapped up in, I want my podcast to be successful. I want it to grow. I want to, you know, maybe your goal is to quit your nine to five and do it full time. And that can just be like your soul focused, right? But then when you start to realize that the people you're influencing and the people you're impacting are real people and that you have an opportunity to make their lives better, it just puts everything in perspective. Like you said, you know, it's like, who, who cares if my, my passion project doesn't do as well tomorrow as it did today, you know, that you were able to leverage what you had created to make someone else's life better in a very tangible way. And I think that's something that all of us have an opportunity to do if we just open our eyes to it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, that goes along with the question is like, is you, you know, if someone says, is your podcast any good, um, where it should be, you know, what good does your podcast do? And if you're, if you're talking pro wrestling or flowers or gardening, like if the answer is making connections and, 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 you know, informing and entertaining people, that's good. That's, that's good. So you have to decide what's good for you. You know, I got a chance to do this with a wheelchair, but on a regular basis, I get a chance to connect people. You know, people write in all the time. Hey, I heard, heard that person talking about pediatric PT. Do you think I could have their email address? Absolutely. And there's a connection. And I don't even know where those connections go, but I'm guessing somewhere good for both parties. Absolutely. So, so this has been fantastic. I've loved just talking about the podcast, talking about the ins and outs of how you put it together, and then also how it's, you know, you've been able to impact people you never would have otherwise without the show. Um, but I want to wrap up with asking one one final question for you. If you had a time machine that could go back to the day before you started your podcast and you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, all my episodes in the beginning were way too long. I mean, I fell, I, I, I fell into my own trap, right? I was so excited to start this that once I hit record, I wanted to just... I wanted to just grab that person and talk to him for like, you know, an hour. And then when I was editing them, I was like, man, 
I kind of lost, you know, focus at a half hour. And then I realized if you truly want to have a conversation, have a conversation and recognize when that conversation is done or when that big topic is done and move on. So, you know, it wasn't awful, but when I hear it, it's like nails on a chalkboard now. But, th- you know, thankfully my audience stuck around long enough for me to realize, hey, let's, let's cut it down a little bit. But, but really what, what cut it down means is focus, focus on the audience always. I mean, I knew that from radio going in. But even I, you know, 15 years in radio, I still need to be reminded, the audience, what are they thinking right now? Am I asking the question that the audience wants the answer to? Or are they screaming at their speakers going, why isn't he asking that? It's so clear. That's the next, he sh- why didn't he go with that? They, they tipped him off. That's, that's the next topic he should bring up. So it's just always keep your audience in mind, no matter, no matter what you're doing. If you are a physical therapist or studying to become one, Make sure to check out PT Pintcast at ptpintcast.com and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to submit your application. And if today's episode inspired you or resonated with you, we would love to hear back from you. Just leave a review in Apple Podcasts to let us know what you thought. And I'm also curious what your favorite interview has been so far. So if you haven't left a review yet, go ahead and write one up and let me know what your favorite interview has been. That is it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep podcasting.